Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of WPOV Quarantine. I'm your host, the legend T. James Logan. With me, my co-host, the gentleman, Elio Canella, and a distinguished panel this weekend. We have the lovely Raven Lake. Raven, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Have you been missing me? (laughs) Uh, With every shot. Ah, I know. Rick's swinging. Rick takes him for me. (laughs) We have the lone wolf, Andy Anderson. Andy. Howdy, sir. Howdy, everybody. See you again. And rejoining us, Chief Atakula Kula. Welcome, Chief. Thanks for having me back. Looking forward to it. Well, you know what, folks? Today's wrestling is an interesting one because it's a topic that everyone actually likes to talk about. Because what makes wrestling at its core even more exciting, makes it more engaging, is when you can somehow watch a feud play out, a rivalry, where two guys or two teams or two factions or two something go at it and there's a story behind it and there's a richness behind it. And today we're going to talk about some of our favorite all-time rivalries. You know, to to us, they're the greatest rivalries. I'm sure there's people around the world, probably in Japan, who's going to disagree with most of our list. But (laughs) we're going to go over some of the greatest, uh, the greatest rivalries of all. And first of all, to start it off, I want to say really quick, if we had to be honest, even if we don't like it, what would we have to say would be the greatest rivalry of all time? And, and, and I just, I, I was trying to think of that in my head and it seems like it would have to be a WWE thing because obviously they have the most fans across the world. And uh, I tried to think, and I, it, it, the things that came down to the biggest ones in my mind were definitely Mr. McMahon versus Steve Austin. That might be one of them. Uh I was almost thinking, too, of Steve Austin versus The Rock or The Undertaker. And this is where it came. There had to be somebody to fit in The Undertaker. Who would we think would be the biggest rival The Undertaker's ever had? Anybody? Who, who, who do you guys feel was a big... Uh... Probably would be Mick Foley, maybe. Mm, do we got the Hell in the Cell thing? There's a great one. See, I would have I gone uh, along the lines of, like, Hunter or Shawn Michaels. Okay, they they also got some great ones. It's it's seen that's a tough one, as you know. Yeah. The Undertaker's in the top there, but I is it really going to be like I'm afraid to say it, but would Austin versus McMahon be like the all time biggest rivalry? I think so in terms of money and notoriety. Yeah, and that's sad because it's Mr. McMahon. At least we didn't have we at least we didn't have to bring up Mr. McMahon versus God. Remember that one? Where, <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> Which God is still mad because he did not like the booking in that at all. <laughs> and we're paying for it all these years yes, later. 2020 is, is the retribution. He said, we're just going to come back. And, I don't and think anyone was... liked the booking in that rivalry. No. Ryan, run your shows now, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> and yet he still does every week. <laughs> Ironically, with a group called Retribution. Anyhow. anyhow. Now, let's, let's talk... Um, I'm going to ask each of you uh, to think when you first got interested in wrestling, okay? And I'll start off with Raven. Raven, when you first started wrestling, what grabbed you more so? Was it the athletics or was it a story? Was it something that that's uh, something played out where you were like, "That's so interesting." What would it be? It was for more you? of the story, more of the story and the characters for me, absolutely. And what was the very first story? You remember, it may not have been the best, but what was the first? And even if it's an really? obscure one. <laughs> uh, it would have to be Hogan and Andre. 
Hogan and Andre. And of course, yeah. that would be the great, uh, the greatest part about, what, what, for you, what was the greatest part about Hogan and Andre? Like what, what played out? What made that so great? Because he was, Andre was such a giant and Hogan had that, I mean, I didn't think he was the greatest wrestler in the world, but he had that whole Hulk pump, you know, pump up thing. And mm -hmm. as soon as he started shaking, you just got behind it. Okay. And do you remember, do you remember the big uh, face off they had when like uh, Andre grabbed Hogan by the neck and like ripped off the cross off him and everybody just went, <gasps> you know, it just seemed yeah. to like even make it like, I mean, it's sort of funny because us talking about it now, it almost seems ridiculous. <laughs> like, oh, he ripped the cross off. Oh, my goodness. Well, who cares? But that was something. I mean, do you remember seeing that? And, and, and just kind of did it did it pop you? Did it make you go, oh, my goodness. And the fact that he sense. also drew blood when he did that. Yes. Yep. A little bit of blood yeah. on the chest. Yeah. Do you, what do you remember about that, Raven? I'm going to go into the Wayback Machine. I remember that because everybody kind of like, no matter what Andre did, he mm -hmm. was always a favorite because he was such a um, – abnormality is that the right word yeah he was an anomaly yeah he was an anomaly anomaly totally freaking opposite direction on that one but i it started it started with a you, you, you know and you ended with a y thanks for working with me i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> but when he grabbed that cross and he pulled it off and you saw that little trickle of blood it just made you so mad i remember i was so mad i was so mad yeah, it, that was the night that I threw the bowl of popcorn at the TV. And from that <laughs> night on, I was never alone. My parents, for Christmas that year, they bought me uh, a foam brick. So when I was watching wrestling, I was allowed to have my foam brick brick and plastic-like stuff. Nothing glass. Oh my. Good thing TVs back then were super solid too, right? Not like today. <laughs> right? You breathe on them wrong and they crack. Yeah. You know what's amazing too is I own that brick too. Do you guys remember that? It came in a package. It was a foam, reddish orange brick, and it came in a single yeah. package. My parents bought me that too. That's, yeah, that's awesome. And and that really kind of grabbed you, right? It really did. Shook it up in it your did. head. Okay. All right, Rod. Do you remember the first rivalry you saw? The first one that grabbed your attention? Yeah, I think uh, you know. Of course, mine is going to be very dated because I'm old. And so when you're looking at back in the 70s were the regional uh, promotions and, and with the territory days. So it's not going to be something like Hogan and Andre. But one of the very first things I remember was Rufus R. Jones and Colonel Buck Robley. Ooh. And uh, he did a thing with the ring bell and the, the, the hammer for the ring bell where uh, he they made it basically look like he took out um, Rufus's eye. And of course, oh. he had blood in the eye, but he was he was digging the ring bell hammer in there. And then, of course, he wrestled out that with a patch for a while. And I love you. Uh, like very graphic. Of course, they wouldn't even show that kind of blood on TV these days, but it was very graphic. And I and I remember that that was one of the first big memories that I have of a big feud when I was younger. Ooh, ooh loving it. Andy. Awesome. Well, um, to your original question to Raven about athleticism versus story. For me, it was athleticism first. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we can still talk, you know, to talk about yeah. AWA days and stuff. I can remember stuff, but nothing like, it's like, oh, like, you know, as a five or six year old, like this feud. I mean, there's like Jimmy Garvin versus Rick Martel, that kind of thing. Yeah. For me, I think the first real feud, and I had to add it to my list as we got talking, would actually be Hogan versus Piper. Like oh. going in from you know, like with like the first WrestleMania and everything before that, and and uh, the the intensity, you know, and and it it, it reminds me about uh, 
yeah, and you guys might remember this. There's somewhere along the lines at one point, uh, Piper said afterwards that, you know, part of the reason why they loved Hogan so much is because they hated Piper so much. Exactly. And I think that, that was part of it was just that Piper was like the heel, like so hated, especially, you know, still at that point where it was mostly black and white, you know, good guys, mm-hmm. bad guys, that there was just so like, but, you know, attacking Cindy Lauper and, and Captain Lou and David Wolf and then and Hogan and then eventually having to bring in Mr. T and everything. But before that, like, I dare you, like, maybe in the past 10, 15 years to try to find that same kind of emotional intensity from two people, you know, where you truly, truly, truly believe they hated each other like Hogan and Piper did. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. How about you, Elio? Well, for me, there's two. One, we just talked about Andre and Hogan. The other mm-hmm. for me was Savage and Steamboat. No, but what is the first one? We're not getting into the best ones yet. Do you remember the first rivalry? And this was funny because I wish that this time I'd had like a young girl wrestler who'd have said like, Michelle McCool and Layla. The first one was um, Hogan and Andre. Wow. Uh, you, yeah. I want you to Michelle McCool and Layla. Oh, Elio, you are definitely not my son. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, and what grabbed you about it, Elio? Just the whole uh, the whole storytelling in that rivalry. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it was, it, they were, the whole rivalry started over a trophy where Andre got a smaller trophy than uh, Hogan. At the oh. time, and that's yeah. yeah, that's how it all. That's uh, where it all started, and then um, yeah, the, all the appearances on Piper Spit. Okay, now for me, um, I grew up uh, like the typical Western Canadian boy, meaning my grandmother would watch wrestling with me weekly, <laughs> and she would get me into watching it. And when I think, so I started super young watching wrestling, and so a lot of the stuff when I'm super young is kind of a, a muddled blur. I remember the people, but not a lot of the matches. Yeah. But one of the very few, first feuds for me was uh, Bret Hart and Bad News Allen. And uh, that was something to see because uh, Bret Hart was just like, um, he was an odd guy, okay? Because I'd met him a few times and I went to live wrestling when he was, this is way before his WWF days. And uh, he was he was kind of a dick. Like even back then, he kind of carried this thing like he didn't really want to talk to people. And Bad News Allen was this super scary dude. I mean, I had nightmares about him as a kid, right? So it was an odd thing to see these guys feuding because in my heart, it took me, like I know most people just gravitated because it was a heart, you know, and that's how the territory was. Uh, It took me a while because part of me wanted Bad News Allen to kick Bret Hart's ass. But after a while, Bret Hart was way less the evil than Bad News Allen was, you know? So I, I think, too, that might have been my miseducation of, of growing up to like heels much more than I liked faces. So thanks, Bret Hart. You ruined wrestling for me. All right, moving on. Um, <laughs> all right, so these are the starts. Like, uh, I think a lot of people will tell you, and, and it depends sometimes on your age, and I guess, you know, guys like, uh, well, I guess most of the te- on the on the panel here, we grew up when there were like territories, and so sometimes we get introduced to what we would say is uh, today would be called indie wrestling, although it wasn't indie wrestling; it was just miniature WWE's as we were growing up. 
but sometimes there's a bit of disconnect. And that's why I wanted to throw out some of our first ones, because I knew some of us would have something that touched us first that would not be on a national scale. I'm pretty sure no one in the world probably, I'm sure maybe Andy, but probably no one else saw this match that I saw growing up, you know, that match. I'm sure Rods was very centric to his area. And maybe if we dug it up on the archives, we might find it. But we start to come across those things in 70s and 80s where they just taped over wrestling matches and all that footage got yeah. lost, you know. Um, but let's talk now about some of the feuds that were big to us, okay? And I don't care if the feud is going to be a giant uh, worldwide feud that everyone saw or if it was something that just resonated so much from a smaller area or company that you saw. Okay. And we're going to open up with the first round. We're going to go to uh, Elio's illegitimate dad, Andy Anderson. <laughs> uh, Andy, start us off with the first feud and tell us why you like it. And we'll see if we can all know it. And if we know it, let's uh, throw in some of what we felt or thought about that feud and then take that feud and just encapsulate what it was about it that you love. Okay. Well, as we talked previously, I mean, I've got a few of them and just because of who we have here and I'm trying to Mm -hmm. debate if I want to go, you know, more modern mainstream or a little bit older mainstream. um, I'm actually going to go with, because I think if people haven't seen this or really looked into it, they should, Mm -hmm. is the Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman feud. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Um, And this wasn't something, I mean, at the time, I mean, it was like early 80s, so I was still young. So it's not like I was watching Letterman. I didn't see Memphis. So this Mm -hmm. was something I learned about and then went back to revisit. And then, you know, it comes up a bit more on a regular basis. Then with, uh, you know, the Man on the Moon movie kind of bringing it back. And then Lawler kind of brings it back every now and then. Uh, To me, what what gets me again, and I I think it's, I don't know if we're going to get to speak to this, but I think about how there's more to me there feels like there's more long time more legitimate uh, emotionally investing feuds back in the day mm-hmm. than there is today mm-hmm. because everything is so fast because everything is exposed the feuds you know it's it's it starts at one night on monday night raw and then it ends three weeks later at a, at a pay-per-view and that's it like it doesn't get the same kind of longevity and emotional investment uh, that we had 20, 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So to me with uh, Lawler and, and Kaufman, again, similar to what I said about Hogan and Piper, you had a very clear baby face. You had a very clear heel. Uh, you know, if you get to see any of the footage, if you go back YouTube, wherever, Andy Kaufman was the quintessential heel. You know, I mean, he was a com- you know, he was a comedian. He was an actor, but, you know, he picked up on playing the role of a heel so well and especially tailoring it to Memphis where you're talking about, you know, the Southern States and people a little more simple and kind of talk like this, maybe a little slow, you know, and he's talking about, he pulls out this and maybe people have never seen it before. This is a bar of soap. You know, you should try using so like, and just that whole, you know, so like ripping on, on the Memphians like that Um, at the start where he wouldn't wrestle men, he was only wrestling women and when he was like the greatest like intergender wrestling champion of all time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, never mind now. I mean, nowadays you, you couldn't, I don't think you can really pull it off because of the way everything goes, but to do that back then and to be able to kind of trash talk on women, put women down. So of course, you know, that puts him in a, in a, you know, in a bad position, talking down the Memphians, talking down Lawler and just the, the, the promos, the, uh, 
you know, the, the, the chicken shit kind of like, you know, avoiding stuff and, and kind of building it with, you know, Lawler not getting his hands on him at first. Uh, and then, you know, when he finally does and just, you know, basically, you know, breaks his neck, murders him kind of thing. And then to have on top of that, where you think it's over to have them go on to uh, David Letterman's show. So a lot of people watching might not even know who David Letterman is. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> before a lot of the you know, talk show hosts now, there was David Letterman. And uh, you go back and and even to see the interaction there. And I mean, between what Lawler says and you know, going back and forth, it's hard to know what's a shoot, what's a work, which to me is part of the charm in it. But uh, but even then, the way things were handled, like it's just to me that that is a feud. That is the way it should be done. Not to say that it can be done anymore, but mm-hmm. but you know, people, if you're not familiar with it, go YouTube it. Not now. Finish watching this episode after <laughs> you're done this episode, or write it down because there's probably gonna be some more cool feuds. Go look up Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler, because it's awesome storytelling yeah and if you do want to go out and look at it right now phone up three of your friends and make them watch this episode while you're okay Uh, (laughs) anyone else want want to weigh in on the andy kaufman feud i actually um had satellite so i was watching it when it happened i i i I was watching letterman when it when they actually appeared on there i uh i'm dating myself quite a bit but yeah that's awesome though i was a teenager Mm -hmm. (laughs) when that happened and um, I was down there not not the night that he wrestled Lawler, but uh, he he managed a few things before then. Andy Kaufman did when they were building up to it. And I was actually in the Med South Coliseum for one of the shows during the buildup of that. That's wow. awesome. So, can I ask at at that time, Chi? I mean, because you were saying you're a teenager, did you are were you already kind of like smart to the business, relatively smart to the business, or were you just simply a fan? I, I was I was a fan and I and at that point I was I, you I, knew I, you knew something was yeah when I got older and I, I knew something was up but I still of course I wasn't totally smart with business okay I just, I just ask is just because how how you would receive that as a just a straight fan versus you know mm-hmm. knowing so that's to me that'd be pretty cool okay anyone else want to weigh in before I uh, move it on no I do know this is um, I I was only I think maybe 12 11 or 12 when this this uh, feud happened and we had we had uh, where I lived it was very sporadic getting wrestling we of course got we had no clue who Jerry Lawler was no idea we did however get uh, David Letterman and I did see this and I happened to be watching it with my uh, stepfather and he was just like you, you gotta check this out right and uh, he said you these these wrestlers on I know you like wrestling so I stayed up this night and watched it with him. And I think what was amazing about it, even at 11 or 12, you know, it can exactly be real. Right. But there's that whole feeling of like, well, maybe this time it's real, you know, because you get people that, that, you know, and the whole coffee in the face thing. And uh, that blew me away. Right. There's like, even, even my stepfather was like, well, that, they can't be faked. I mean, they just did this on David Letterman. Look how mad Letterman is. Look how, you know. And even the and, swearing with Andy Kaufman, it's like, well, especially you know, back, that's like, well, yeah. that, that, that's got to be real because they wouldn't do that. And and I think the most amazing thing now as I get older and look back at, when you can look back at the things that put this together and why this worked so effectively and at that time was the fact that today you can see a wrestler 
Uh, you can see guys kill each other with barbed wire and then they'll go to the bar afterwards, like half a block away and sign autographs as they sit next to each other drinking. So it takes away that whole idea of, okay, yeah, I get some of that's real, but like, you know, maybe the injury part's real, but they definitely are not trying to kill each other and whatnot. Um, Andy Kaufman committed to everything he did. Okay. And he never once let up ever that anything he did was faked or it was, you know, including this whole wrestling thing to the day he died. He always acted like Jerry Lawler was his biggest enemy in his life. And he would do anything to get at this guy if he could. And, and even when they weren't doing wrestling, even if some wrestling fan out of nowhere would come up at some kind of comedy club and mention him, he would, he would sell it as real. Always sell it as real. Never as over the top fake, never like a wink and a nod to, you know, and when you have that much dedication towards something, it shines through, especially when you're in like such a spotlight, when people are watching you. If you can keep that and you never break the smile, when you never uh, give the wink, it carries an air about it, you know? You know, I said with my grandmother, like when I grew up, she would legitimately say to me these little like, you get fans back then who would talk like they knew the wrestlers and stuff like that, right? And they would always say stuff like, well, you know what? Um, yeah, those, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, pre-worked and stuff like that, but you know what? Chief was mad that night. And he, he, he took it into, he took it into Andy. Andy had shut his mouth off a little too much. And, uh, you know, there's a few, him a there was a few hits in there. Yeah. yeah there was he a lot of sure real he stuff knew. going on there. And Andy, he's probably real sorry. He said that stuff, you know? Yeah. And even <laughs> on shows now, shows that I'm on, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll hear people in the crowd and, and I'll be like, you'll, you'll hear him talk about it. Well, I know that match was real. Well, the one before it wasn't, but this one is. Some of them are, some of them aren't. But yeah, you actually. Well, you can blur the lines like that, especially nowadays. I wish I could blur the lines, something like that. (laughs) I wrestling was so much fun, more fun when you had even that tiny little bit of doubt that maybe, you know. Uh, Now I find myself, especially working backstage at things and stuff, it's like. I find I'm watching less and less wrestling and enjoying it less and less as I was when well, I didn't know the stuff. I, I think, and, and with the panel here, I, I'm sure we could probably all agree is that you were told at some point very early on in your training is that once you get involved in the business, you will never look at it ever the same way again. Yeah. And that's well, so true. It does somewhat ruin it for you. You know, the magic, the enjoyment, you think back when you were younger, the enjoyment you had yeah. from watching that you don't get now. Let me throw out next a feud by you, Chief. Give us a, give us a, a one of your, sorry, I, didn't, I waited till you put that water up. And I'm like, not now, damn it. No. Um, <laughs> well, why don't you pull out one um, of your all time? Well, there, there are, there are so many. <laughs> that, that, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It would be one of my favorites. I don't know if I could pick a favorite, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, one that uh, I remember very well was, was David Von Erich versus gorgeous Jimmy Garvin for the Texas heavyweight title uh, back mm-hmm. in the 80s before David Warner passed away. But uh, it went on. I think it was that feud probably, like Andy said, they built things up back then. I think that went on for over a year. Awesome. Uh, a year and a half, I think. Uh, but th- but they drugged that out, and they had so many different matches and stipulations, and I think the title changed hands once or twice uh, back and forth. But uh, one of the big blow-off matches was, was – uh, J- Jimmy Garvin had had uh, Sunshine as his valet, and and uh, one of the blow off matches was 
if David Von Erich won, then they had to be his ranch hands. Yeah. Yeah. For, for a weekend, I think, or a day. And, uh, I remember how that played out and they had pictures in the magazines, you know, they, yeah. Jimmy Garvin lost and they're out there shoveling cow manure and different things. Because it was very much like the Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair thing because Jimmy Garvin was very flashy. The Von Erichs were more ranch hands, more blue collar. So it was kind of the, you know, of course everybody wanted to see the guy with the rich, fancy clothes shoveling cow manure, yeah. you know? And, uh, so, so very well, it, it was very well uh, for Texas. It played out like, the, like I said, like the Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes thing. You know, I think that's why that was so big, which would be, a, was a huge feedback in the day too, because you had the blue collar versus kind of the white collar, even the, even with the um, Jerry Lawler and, 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 uh, and Andy Kaufman. Cause when, when Andy Kaufman was going into Memphis, you know, he was the big Hollywood star making fun of the Hicks down in Memphis. And it, that, that, that dynamic was a huge dynamic for years and in, in, in a lot of wrestling. Austin McMahon, I mean, we talked about that one too. I mean, that's blue collar, white collar. I think I just, as soon as you started talking about Flair and Rhodes, I'm like, like that's a, yeah, that's a prevalent theme there. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people think about it, but if you think back on a lot of those feuds back in the day, that, that, that was the dynamic. It was good versus evil, but, but it was also blue collar versus white collar type thing. Yeah. So does it uh, play good New York? It's like, ah, oh, get that down, farmer. No, anyways. Uh, <laughs> Raven, you want to throw out an all-time uh, favorite feud for you? Um, well, when I first got into wrestling, the thing that caught me the most was tag team wrestling. Okay. I'm a huge fan of tag team wrestling. Um, so the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express. Nice. Mm. Yeah, and that one went on for a while. I mean, it all starts from, you know, like a cake in the face, and then, you know... As their feud goes on, they have all the scaffolding. I mean, they did scaffolding matches, um, a few of them before, I think, was it a Starcade? I think it was mm-hmm. Starcade 87 that they had the scaffold match, right? The one with the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express? No, no, no that one. Oh, that was the Skywalkers. That one was sorry. after. That was Skywalkers, yeah. Yeah, no, this one was, I, I think it was 87. I could be wrong, but. In Chicago, yeah. Is that. Was that was that rock and roll in midnight though, or was that was that the Road Warriors? Yeah, I thought that was the Road no, Warriors. That was okay. No, it was the uh, Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express. Okay, and they did the same. Okay, yeah, I was sure it was a star. I, I was just for me, it's sticking out that it might not have been a star. Because I thought I was thinking, isn't that where didn't like Cornette break his leg or break his yeah. arm or something? Yeah, the, that was uh, that was the Road Corn- Warriors. That was '86. Yeah, that was '86 when Cornette okay, then, broke his leg. Okay, maybe it's just a clip thing. Yeah. Okay, so. What was it about this feud that really grabbed you? I mean, I know you like the the um, the tag team aspect of it, but what about yeah. the story? What is it? What was it drove you to, to make it personal to you? Like, what were the emotions out of that? I don't know. I just I love tag team wrestling. I can't explain what mm-hmm. the whole feud meant to me. I mean, they built it up so good from just their matches. The Rocco Express were like the young, hip kind of guys, right? I mean, I was mm-hmm. about maybe what. 10 mm-hmm. no wait a minute if that's 87 whatever i'm not going to give away my age <laughs> it was a long time ago but you know they were the young hip guys yeah. and at that time it was stan lane and eaton bobby i think eaton. yeah yeah bobby eaton um and they were like the older guys and he had oh, that okay. mouth out there Cornette was still young too but he was just a mouthy little bugger and anytime you could see the rock and roll express get a hold of him that was phenomenal Okay. okay, so um, yeah, Starcade '86. That was the Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express, mm-hmm. and then Starcade '87, Shy Town Heat. 
Oh, that was uh, oops, where did you and Towing, the Road Warriors. Then that was the, that was the Skywalkers match. Was uh, what did I say? This was '87. Yeah. Yeah. Skywalkers was Rock and Roll Express defeat the Midnight Express. Okay. Right. Okay. I guess the... got injured, and I think the Road Warriors wrestled Arn and Tully at that Starcade. Uh, yes, the Four Horsemen defeated the Road Warriors via DQ to retain their titles. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure the cor- I'm pretty sure the cornet injury happened in the because the Road Warriors were the ones who chased him up. The chased him up. Yeah, I, I I agree. Yeah. So because I just remember that image of Hawk and Animal going up each side and him. Yeah, and, and then here and the vid- like one of the first thing there is the video: uh, Jim Cornette falls from the scaffold yeah. <laughs> because his bodyguard um, what was the Bubba Rogers. Rogers. Bobby, yeah. yeah, he was green at that time, and yeah, he was in the him. wrong spot and missed him. <laughs> yep. That's excellent. That's excellent. Elio, Elio, <laughs> do you got for us? Uh, for, for me, my favorite. Yeah, for me, my favorite was Steam Savage and Steamboats. Savage and Steamboat, okay. What appealed to that to you? I mean, here's an s- interesting story. You have a uh, uh, – oh, man. Go ahead. Tell me first what you – So um, when uh, this feed started, this rivalry started, um, it was it started as a championship match on uh, television. And then uh, when uh, Savage took that bell and played Steamboat's uh, neck on the guardrail and hit him with the bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, like, yeah. I was a 13 at the time, so I, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, well, it's uh, done for Steamboat. He's done. Mm-hmm. Because I, you thought that that was, because it looked so real the way it was, uh, the way it was executed. Okay. And what about that feud? Like, what was in, what, what emotions did it bring out of you? What were you seeing played out there that really that grabbed a, you? It was just uh, the, the whole storytelling, like, is uh, Steamboat done? Will he be back? A horrific injury, yeah. uh, the triumphant return. Uh, yep. Okay. And of course, uh, that, that led to their match at WrestleMania three, which was uh, one of my favorites. I think a lot of people list yeah. that as a favorite match in there. Yeah. Um, two rivalries that popped in my head. I was uh, debating whether, uh, and it was funny because the, the the other I didn't tell Andy what the other one was because I wasn't uh, sure if I'd have time for it, right? And I'm, maybe I won't say it even, but my all time favorite rivalry, and I knew why because it evoked different kind of emotions that we're not used to. And this was an AWA feud of Nick Bockwinkle versus Sheik Adnan El Casey, okay? Now, the reason why, to me, this was important and different is because Nick Bockwinkle had been world champion for a while, and he was the arrogant prick, okay? It's what he played. He was an arrogant, overeducated, uh, made fun of everybody, uh, would go out there and give soliloquies, you know, like... Uh, you wanted he had to, Bobby Heenan too at that time, right? Yeah, and he had Bobby Heenan yapping around beside him. And then you had Sheik Adnan El Casey. And there was nothing about nice about this guy. He he was like he was like almost feral half the time he was in there, grunting, biting, hit, you know, he was he was everything that a heel was without being eloquent. Okay. He was out there always trying to to stir trouble, to cause any kind of trouble he could. And you hated the guy so much that it made you take a guy who you already hated like Bockwinkle. But when they collided and they collided over a difference about the world title, all of a sudden you found yourself making excuses to like Nick Bockwinkle. You, you kind of started pumping into, well, you know, he's not that bad. And well, he is a really good wrestler. And while he does make some good points about things. And to me, that was a very cool 
scenario that you could take somebody that always was hated and then all of a sudden he was your hero because he was willing to forget himself for a change and go out there and go up against somebody even worse you know and and this feud is you would even wonder like how did bobby heenan react what did he do bobby heenan probably the one of the most hated men in awa history all of a sudden he's fighting Sheik adnan too the both of them are not running away, not like they'd usually do against uh, any of the faces they'd ever fight when things got, you know, trouble, both Bockwinkle and they'd scatter, right? But not this time. They went full force at Adnan El Casey, and it went over about a month, month and a half through the AWA territory, and they had three or four major matches till an ending, and it was some really good stuff. To the point where at the end, in that last match that they had, you, if you had grown up watching Nick Bockwinkle, you would almost not think that was Nick Bockwinkle in the ring. He had to change up everything in his style, in his approach, and everything to conquer Adnan Al Casey. And for me, it was just this unique feeling. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the fact, the idea of all of us can be redeemed, that even uh, us that screw up or do wrong things, that maybe when the time comes, we can step up and be the hero for a change. Uh, for me, that that was an important thing. You know, I always grew up being uh, not a very popular kid when I was young. I wasn't with all the the, the 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 cool kids, you know, and I'd always be fighting and I was always the, you know, always on the outs with things. So just that idea appealed to me that sometime even the person that they think is the villain can rise up and be the hero for a change. For me, that just made a rivalry that I'll never forget. Let's face it. Uh, unfortunately, this day and age, there's not a lot of young people who can even remember who the hell Nick Bockwinkle is, let alone who Sheik Adnan Al Casey is. And in my mind, they'll always be the greatest feud. Yeah, Bockwinkle has always been on my top three list of mm -hmm. uh, all time. Um, but again, of course, I grew up watching him too. But he, yeah, yeah you, you get to that situation you're talking about was like the lesser of two evils situation, plus in the stage. You would have the foreign menace, you know. So yeah. it, it helps get behind Bockwinkle. But he, yeah, he was. Uh, um, and of course, his normal gimmick when he worked as a heel all the time. If you look at it again, he was overeducated. He wore the suits. It was the blue collar versus white collar again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing too, uh, what was the coolest part that came out of this is at the end of that feud, it legitimized the toughness of Nick Bockwinkle because mm -hmm. even though he went back to being a dick a couple weeks later. Everybody always kind of went in the back of their mind, well, we've seen he can actually kick ass. He isn't a coward. So for me, that was pretty cool. All right, let's go into round two. Andy. All right, round two. Um, I could toss up between a couple here. Um, I mean, we already kind of talked about the Hogan, Andre, and, and we just talked about Savage. I'm, I'm kind of... I'll kind of here. I'm, I'm kind of debating between Hogan, Savage, and uh, Flair and Dusty. Mm. Okay. So, Why don't you throw the Flair and Dusty one? I okay. think there's a lot we can talk about in that. Yeah. Well, and and for me, uh, the Flair versus Dusty. A lot of this, especially in the younger years, growing up, because I didn't really get much NWA, was was pretty much through the wrestling magazines, and and that was. But it just it seemed like that was such an on off. Like it's such a long-standing feud, uh, so of course, you know. And Rod, Rod made the point. Like and to me, that was that was one of the things. Even before we started talking about, to me, was was Flair and Dusty was the white collar, blue collar. Um, 
and and Flair, especially for that time, Flair's arrogance for his believability and and the over the topness of being better than everybody else, uh, and the way he could present himself, the way he came across, just it it was the 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 yin and the yang of him and Dusty. And I think someone may there was once I read, kind of read the point that there was, uh, you know, it would be like. They're, even their tights were similar because they, like, they both had the kind of the initials, the DR and the RF. And it's almost like the angel and the devil kind of thing. And it was just one of those things where with and with Dusty being Dusty and, and so personable, so charismatic, you know, the son of a plumber. It, it's like, you know, who who can't identify with him, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 everything from from the the, the, the cage matches to you know, any other gimmick match that you want to throw it along the way. Uh, again, to me, it's the one of the most important things for me as a fan and as a wrestler that I would want to get across in a feud is the emotion and that emotional investment that as a fan, I want to buy into. And as a wrestler, I want to be selling again. You know, normally I'm a heel. So to me, like I should be doing everything in my power, like a Ric Flair, like a Roddy Piper, that you should be hating me. You should be hating what I'm doing to the other guy. There isn't a shredded, you know, it's, you know, when you talk about, you know, Sheik Adnan Case, you talk about Rick Bach, like, oh, let's, you know, there should not be like a shred of decency in, in, the, in that personality. And, uh, you know, the, even back then, I mean, I know there would be people that would still be Ric Flair fans, but it's, but it wouldn't be as as black and not there, there wouldn't be as much gray as there is today. Mm-hmm. And so that was, and that's one of the things that I that I love going back and and watching on here is just it's black, it's white, and it was just I you, yeah. You could go to the matches and you didn't have to think about it. You yeah, know what I mean, like you went in there and you knew who the good guy was and who the bad guy was. Absolutely. Absolutely. You just had to watch their promos. Their promos yep. were the best. And that's how they grabbed us was with their promos. Mm-hmm. Well, the promos for sure. And and even to talk, you know, and maybe this is kind of like wrestling one one that we you go back and look at, but you know, you watch Ric Flair come out, you can tell that cockiness, you can tell that that overconfidence, you can yeah. tell he's a heel. Dusty comes out, he's the common man, you know, right with the people, you can tell he's the baby face. Another, I think another Flair, thing that really, sorry, go ahead, Chief. Flair wore the expensive suits, you know, riding limousines, flying jets, and then you had Dusty come out there, who you could relate to because he looked like us. Yeah, uh, that's like exactly what I was going to say. Wrestling show, you know, he looked like us, but he would still go out there and do things we couldn't do. He was wearing, yeah. He was wearing the jeans. You know, they might have been a little bit dirtier or whatever. And Flair was in shape. had the belly. I mean, you know, yeah. 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 That's funny because you wonder why that stuff couldn't work today. Um, I mean, let's face it. The first time I saw Dusty Rhodes, I was like, "Oh my God, what the hell is this guy?" Like, holy, that's a fat dude wearing like not very much stuff, right? I didn't know he was. I mean, I got, I grew up without this stuff, and then I see these matches. I'm like, this is the Dusty Rhodes people keep talking about, like. Did but you mention one I, episode that you thought Dusty Rhodes was somebody else or something? Was yes, yes. yes. Did you guys remember this story? What? Okay, I grew up <laughs> in way in northern Alberta where we had uh, we had we had WWE or WWF wrestling and we had AWA wrestling. Okay, 
And the WWF wrestling we got was like uh, this thing called oh, Maple, Maple Leaf, Leaf wrestling. wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. never showed you big matches. It was always just uh, an hour of jobbing, right? You got like some mid card guy come in and beat some total nobody. And that was every week, right? And they would mention big name guys, but they never showed them to you. So they would mention Hulk Hogan, but I had no clue who the hell Hulk Hogan was. No clue. All I knew was he was supposed to be big and that he had really blonde hair. Well, one day my uh, stepfather gives me this magazine. (laughs) (laughs) And it's got a picture of this big, fat, blonde guy with a leather jacket on. And it said the taking care of business tour. And I didn't really look at it too much. And I just assumed for a long time it was Hulk Hogan. I was like, man, Hulk Hogan's big, but he's kind of fat. Like, okay, whatever. Right. And then later on when it occurred to me (laughs) how off I was, I've always been, I just can't help but laugh at that. For, for, so for, yes, for, for months, I thought that Dusty Rhodes was Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Yes. Now, you look at it today, uh, that would never happen. Today, that kind of feud could never really happen. Because for one thing, uh, do you think a guy like Dusty Rhodes today would ever get booked on, on the main events of WWF? Even with the greatest uh, talent, even with the greatest promo ability, it won't happen. I mean, we see wrestlers all the time, great wrestlers in the WWE who are in the mid-card because Vince McMahon doesn't like the way they look. Or the yeah, way they look. Yeah. yeah. So it really, really worked, though, because it worked because Dusty was fat and overweight. Mm-hmm. Because then he seemed like a real person. Even though he was big, I could look around at most wrestling, and I don't want to sound insulting, but I can look around most wrestling uh, audiences, and there's at least five or six guys that big standing in the crowd cheering and tr- saying they'd kill that wrestler it connected for real people rick flair came out and he was almost unbelievable star he was he had a very good build at this time he had like the most expensive clothes he everything about him read like a movie star where you'd think oh wow i can't really relate to that i mean he's cool you can like him you can uh maybe uh, get behind his nasty philosophy if you want but you didn't really get him because he's so unlike us. You know, at the time he was like a freaking alien, a good looking alien. Dusty Rhodes was the exact opposite. Here's this big slovingly big dude who would walk up and shake your hand and say, Hey Tom, how's it going, man? You know, like you knew that you felt like that. You felt like you could have a beer with Dusty Rhodes. You could go hang out with Dusty Rhodes. Ric Flair would throw, would have his bodyguards beat the hell out of you before you got 10 feet with, you know, very well said. So, it really brought that feeling of like when they hurt Dusty Rhodes, when they did the things they did to Dusty Rhodes. I mean, one of the greatest things, I think me and Elio were talking about this. I mean, one of the greatest angles, and you don't even see such intricate stuff like this, but uh, think back to when Dusty Rhodes was fighting uh, Nikita Koloff, okay, in a cage match. And then all of a sudden, uh, Ivan Koloff comes in, and they're beating the hell out of Dusty Rhodes, and they look like they're going to injure him. And then the four horsemen come running in, and they beat up the Russians, throw them out. But then they turn around and lock the cage and try and kill Dusty. You know, like, you, you know, stuff like that is, is, is these things, you know, we talk about building these feuds. And let's face it, the feuds come up because of time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, could we have done Andre and Hogan if it happened today and they were the same guys? No, because the whole premise was built on that Andre had never been slammed. Well, Andre had been slammed probably like a hundred times before yeah. that. But because there was no internet and all these things, if you weren't a hardcore fan following territory, you had no idea. 
You know, you turned on this and you were invested. Look at this giant guy. He's never been slammed. Go get him, Hogan. You know, hell, Hogan even had slammed him himself in yeah. AWA a couple times. But they spill, They spent time, built this story, you know. Uh, this week, this this day and age, they have to build the stories per week because wrestling is only made now. They don't make wrestling anymore. You don't make money in the big leagues by touring. Okay, that used to be the thing. You throw a big show, uh, you build up to stuff. You yep. you don't you don't build them on the pay per views anymore. Pay per views don't make money. What makes money is the TV. Now TV, which used to be, wrestling companies used to pay to get their show on television, so somebody would go watch them down at the Coliseum. Now they got to put it so that X amount of viewers watch every week. So every week you got to have this, this, this. I feud with Andy this week. Well, you know what? I can't feud with him two weeks in a row. People aren't going to tune in next week. So I got to feud with the chief next week. And the week after that, I got to feud with Raven. And the week after that, you know, and it's just nonstop. And after a while, when it's that like that, what does it mean? No, and that's that 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 emotional investment, that time. It's just it's just a commentary on society and and mm-hmm. the short attention span of everything. And you know, if it's not 180 characters, and if it's not in like 15 minutes or five minutes or a minute and a half, you know, you flip the channel, you move on to the next thing, you keep scrolling, whatever. You don't have time to get into that. You don't have to, you're not taking that time to buy in. Mm-hmm. And thank God, though, fast food society. People want what they want, and they want it now, and then they move on to the next thing. Yeah, but, but luckily it's always ever changing. So I'm pretty sure what we're complaining about now in 15 years, my son will be uh, saying what we have now is the golden age and what oh. they have is, is terrible. And then it'll probably go in a cycle and go all around, but just where we're at now. Yeah. Okay, yes, just on that one little point that kind of doesn't really have to do too much, but mm-hmm. maybe kind of can just cause we were talking about like dusty and about trying to find someone that's relatable Mm-hmm. And like in today's society, mm-hmm. I would submit to you all here that probably the best example of that in probably the last 10, 15 years would be Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, just how you talk about like kind of like the, the out of shape guy, da, 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 you know, but in nowadays, especially, you know, with more of a younger demographic and that was, he wasn't the biggest guy. He was scruffy. He had the beard, whatever, like, you know, like an ultimate underdog. He doesn't eat meat. Yeah, he <laughs> but, but but I mean that but you know for, for, for how his popularity organically grew over time mm-hmm. and and that was something where they stretched it out you know mm-hmm. it, it wasn't something where it's like okay people try to get behind him oh we'll give him the title a month later like that, that took like at least what like 10 months a year something like that mm-hmm. from where in all fairness though stage. they didn't stretch that out Andy they tried to squash that for 10 months and finally gave in and let him have his moment. Well, no, but yeah, no, but that, but that's fair. But, but the point being yeah. though, but, but that time was there, that emotional build, time, Yes. And it was built so much that you couldn't ignore it. Damn it, Andy. I was going to make him ask a question when he brought up the drink. You know that. Okay. <laughs> you know, they, they kind of tried to do it with Kevin Owens somewhat too, I think. Yeah. I just did yeah. every man and it just didn't catch on. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what, chief, why don't you tell me your next feud up? One of your all-time faves, and tell me why. What what what, what appealed to you in that part? Um, you know, an, another one that involves Dusty Rhodes. I would say, which is weird because in New York you wouldn't think Dusty would have been as big, but the Dusty Rhodes versus Superstar Billy Graham feud in '77, '78. You know, they had a series of uh, matches, three matches at Madison Square Garden, uh, culminating in the bull rope match, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
not another very bloody feud, but uh, Dusty, you wouldn't think, you think Ric Flair would be more the New York City guy, but Dusty Rhodes was actually, even with his, you know, big body and his Southern voice and everything, he was, he was huge in New York City too, you know, and, and uh, the whole thing what? with him and, and superstar Billy Graham was another one that stands out to me. And what, what made you invest in that one? Because obviously you don't have, I mean, it's not really a blue collar thing in this sort of sense. I mean, if anything, Dusty Rhodes and superstar Billy Graham seem to be kind of cut from the same kind of spiritual chip. I was going to say the know? promos for that would have been amazing. Yeah, they were. I mean, yeah, the, the, the promos and and the the matches, you know, because like you know, Billy Graham wasn't. Uh, of course, I was more. I'm I'm more into the. You know, I like the athletics of the business mm-hmm. too. Storytelling is is what always drew me in. And just the way they put that whole thing together, uh, it was very graphic. You know, uh, I don't think the first match was as much, but the the the, the second and third, of course, the bull rope match was very graphic uh, match by especially by today's standards. But uh, and Billy Graham wasn't known as a great wrestler, but those matches they were they were basically brawls. But those matches were, if you go back and watch them now, I think is a great brawl. They still hold up. Mm-hmm. Uh, by, by today's standards, I mean they don't have all the, you know, the uh, okay. high risk right. moves or anything in it. But but the the uh, from start to finish, I mean they were nonstop matches. You know there wasn't like a lot of rest holds or anything going on, especially for that era. They were just nonstop mm-hmm. action from this from the time the bell okay. rang until the Wait, final. Bell. Was was Billy Graham was he still tie dye and Boa was yeah. then at that time too? Oh yeah, yeah. when he was the w- that was. WWF champion and, and okay. Dusty Rhodes take the title. And, and is, that, uh, is that what the, was the feud? Was it basically just? I'm sorry, I'm just asking because I like yeah, I'm like it's I, a little I, bit before you, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, well, I mean, there's other feuds that I know of. It's just this one doesn't catch me as much. So I'm just trying to put it into my head. Um, and so was the feud basically over the title? Is that what the kind of the it was a cross was? promotional thing, wasn't it? It, it, it was no, it, no. Uh, Dusty wasn't didn't have the title then. Dusty used to go up into New York no, no. for periods of time, but but uh, yeah, he he was he was yeah. going. It, it, the, the, the matches were for the title, but you kind of forgot about it a little yeah. bit because these guys, if you watch the promos and the stuff that ensued throughout it, I mean, these these guys, it was another one where you believe they hated each other. Awesome. It was a little more yeah. personal. The, yeah. title, the title was there, but you really didn't think about it, even though the title was really big at the time, you know. And, it wasn't you know, the main focus of the feud. Yeah. No, it wasn't. And I and guess it, what it, I was well, trying to say was, I, I guess what I was trying to say wasn't uh, what I meant by uh, interpromotional. What I meant was uh, at that time, uh, Vince McMahon Sr. would get uh, NWA guys for small spurts sent up if he sent a few guys down uh, to, to the NWA. And so that's what had happened there is Dusty had come up for a tour. And it just, those two guys, I mean, it was, it's almost, it's sort of weird because it's almost, they were, they were so much alike. Yeah. You know, in the way they talk, especially the way they talk. Here was two guys who no one else talked like them before in the area. Then all of a sudden they're in the same area talking and, and yeah. battling. So that was pretty unique, too. And no matter how ridiculous they got, Dusty always had that likability about him, which superstar Billy Graham never did. He always had this deep arrogance in him that you just knew you wanted to punch him in the mouth if you knew him and if you could get away with it. And, mm-hmm. uh, Believe it or not, I mean, this is pre before me watching wrestling, but I also owned all those magazines. So I would read all about this and get the gist of, of yeah. what these guys were about. And uh, I, ca- I can't remember how it started either, but I remember it culminated in a very bloody bull rope match that uh, 
you know, was a classic for a lot of people. A lot of people who in that era would probably say it was their best match ever. Yeah, and it was it was another so. situation where you look at Dusty and then you look at this Graham who was probably there was nobody in the shape that he was in in that era of wrestling. And, and so yeah. you think like, how can this little doughy guy, <laughs> this big doughy guy, take on this guy who was just a mass of muscle? You know, but you actually, Dusty made you believe he could beat him. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Raven, ball's in your court. Um, I would say another one for me, being a female, would be Wendy Richter and Mula. Mm, nice. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so Wendy Richter and Mula, let's start. First of all, Richter, Richter winning the belt, Okay becoming champion after kind of putting down Mula's, I don't know. It just seems like such a shock. Mula had had this belt for so long. It really didn't seem like anybody was going to come out as a champion. What did you think when that happened? I mean, that obviously made her seem like the big next superstar, right? Well, yeah, it did. I mean, at that time, that's like the whole rocking wrestling era thing too, right? Mm -hmm. So it was right around the childhood. You know, I watched the cartoon, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it, it was, um, I think having Cindy Lauper there too was another big part of it for me because I was really into music when I was a kid. I like when I was in high school, I wrote music and stuff like that. Um, but it made it, it kind of, I don't even know where I'm going with this one right now. Okay. Just um, I know, I'm having a rough day. I shouldn't have took those, <laughs> those uh, things before I got on. Um, yeah. Wendy Richter, she was just, a tough, feisty little broad who came in. And then when she went uh, with Lopper, it made it more exciting. But I remember watching Mula in days before then, and she was always just that bitch. She was that nasty old bitch that you just wanted to see somebody smack out. So when she did win that belt, it was like a huge thing. You know, yeah. your little girl sitting on that couch, it was just such a big thing. It's, it's sort of funny, too, because that was kind of like one of the biggest draws ever to get eyes on wrestling was the whole Wendy Richter, uh, Cindy Lauper, all these sort of things. And yet nobody talks about it much anymore. You know, you know everyone talks more about Roddy Piper, Hulk Hogan and, and things like that. Yeah. But this was really big. I remember it happened on MTV and uh, didn't- Well, uh, that Cindy match was the only woman's match from, or that was the only match from that show, that card that actually made it onto MTV that they played. Yeah. the women's. Yeah. yeah, and let's face it, MTV was big at that time. I mean, that touched a Huge. lot of people, got a lot of eyes on it. And, and it was a really interesting feud. Um, yeah. How do the, you look it at it? It was the original screw job at the end of that. Yes, movie. oh my goodness. That was yes. the original <laughs> screw job. It really was with the whole spider lady thing and all that. That was yeah. the original screw job. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too. Uh, what though is... Let's get to the basis of this feud, okay? This is obviously a little different. We're dealing with women wrestling. It's a little bit different, maybe in the psychology. We're not doing blue collared. I mean, nobody's representing that right here. Are we looking at the old guard versus the new guard? Is that what was the attractive part? You had somebody who's been holding the belt forever against the new, young, fresh one. Is it just, is it good versus evil? What, what do you guys think is, is the core of what, why this was such uh, a, an investment draw to us? I think it was the old guard, yeah, new guard type thing, definitely. Mm -hmm. Good versus evil, but uh, Mula had been in there for so long, and, and like like she said, nobody thought that she would ever mm -hmm. lose 
title because she had it what 20 something years at that point yeah. I think. yeah it was a ridiculous amount of years 27 28 years or something yeah like it's, and, like, and, it's like why go to a mula match at that point because you know she's gonna win i think that's kind of what happened with hogan later on and they finally had to pass the torch yeah. you know yeah after a while they're gonna be okay this guy's never gonna lose so that kind of takes away the drama of the match you know so but yeah so it it, it it did shock the world at the time i remember you know watching all that prominently when it happened the of course, the war to settle the score with Piper and and Hogan on MTV, and then of course the match with uh, with Wendy Richter. But yeah, I think it was definitely more, you know, because Mula was much older, uh, visibly you could tell, and she looked like one of those old kind of barroom brawler type women, you know. And <laughs> you know, Wendy Richter had a more modern, younger look. And Cindy Lauper. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and it's funny too because you can also say this. Um, Old guard versus the new guard sometimes because you can get the nostalgia of the old guy making his return or the sympathy for the older, the champ taking one last run. But I think this was a thing of somebody way past their time. The guest who stays too long, the the relative who's staying too long at your house, that sort of deal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, It had come to the point where it felt like uh, Mula was not only was maybe she passed her prime, but passed her our desire to want to see her anymore. It felt like, like, oh, Mula, you know what I mean? And you're right, because it happened to Hogan before they decided that they had to do something about that. There did become a time, I remember from like, oh, it was exciting watching Hogan take on guys to like, oh, Hogan again. Huh? Okay, who's he going to beat up this month with three moves? Yeah, you know? Like, like, we know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but exciting, exciting feud, definitely. Um, and you're right. We should explain what the original screw job was. It was the fact that after Wendy Richter had won the belt, she started demanding more money from Vince McMahon and felt that she deserved yeah. a lot more, which she did. She was not getting paid very much for the amount of attention she brought in for that company. Yeah, she, yeah so uh, instead, they, uh, Vince McMahon got Mula to put on a costume and a mask and told mm-hmm. Richter she was just going into another match with Spider Lady. And then she legitimately held her down, <laughs> pinned her, and took the belt from her. It was a shoot. Yeah. So, yeah. ouch. <laughs> and and kind of ironically funny that the old <laughs> the old washed up girl takes the belt back. Oh, wow. Okay. Elio, give me another feud, buddy. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think between uh, these two. I have I have uh, Hogan and Savage and Hogan and Paul Orndorff. Oh. Well, you talked about Savage. Talk about the Paul Orndorff thing. Because there was a, it seemed like that was something you could get behind. So, Maybe Paul, your friend was being Paul, a dick. Paul Orndorff, uh, this guy, I, don't, I can't count how many times he's flipped between heel and face. Uh, one minute at the end of, well, like, going to trust me, when he was a heel, at the end he's a face. And then he turns on Hogan and uh, that one, just the whole story there was uh, memorable for me. Okay. Okay. And they had the they had the big match and they had the big match at the yeah. big big event. The big yeah. event, yes, in Toronto. Yep. I wanted to go uh, there. I think the reason why that one sticks out to me is it brought kind of a weird dynamic. Okay. Uh, at this point, there is this point where Hulk Hogan, yeah, he's the big conquering hero, but I don't know about you guys, but there was part of me sometimes where I'd be like, uh, Hulk Hogan is just so insufferable, you know, especially when he did interviews. Uh, if he wasn't pandering to kids, 
he was definitely messing the mark for adults because it, it just seemed like when when I'd hear him say stuff, I'd be like, man, this guy's got to trumpet up his ass and he's playing the constantly, you know? <laughs> um, and then I didn't like Paul Orndorff. I never liked Paul Orndorff. He was such a boring guy to me, okay? Yeah. He had very little charisma to me, but I could almost sense in that storyline his frustration of you have that friend who is your friend yep. but is better than you who always has to remind you you're his little buddy and you got that feeling of what it would be like to be like you know what this guy really isn't my friend and and I, as much as i didn't like paul orndorff i kind of a little bit understood it and that's where it came into reality almost because even though you know wrestling is a work you know the stories are whatever there's a part of you that invests in the part well yeah Hogan is kind of really life asshole and Orndorff is kind of getting shafted here. I kind mm-hmm. of get that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I like Orndorff, but I, I can see why you want to punch this dude. And, uh, and that one tag, the one tag team match that sends out for me was uh, the tag team match he had uh, with the King Kong Bunny Big Trunk stud. Okay. Where, and why? Because uh, at the end of where Hogan uh, gets knocked into Orndorff, he, fall, he knocks him off of the apron. Then at the end, he goes to help Hogan up and deliver and hits him with a clothesline pal driver. Okay. Yep. Now it, this is funny because we talk about buildups, right? And how as you build to emotions, something like two partners colliding can start a thing, right? It could start the the, the the wheels turning of a breakup. And it sucks that this day and age, and we're gonna gripe about this again, about how things go like this. That is hard to believe friendship is so small that if I bump into Andy in the ring, fuck it, we're fighting forever now. Like, yeah, you know, and, and people are always yelling, just go back and look at the video. You can see it was an accident. Yes. That's why you wanted to see from week to week what would happen with this story. Yeah. And you kind of saw it coming, but you weren't sure, you know, like oh, something might happen. And then when it finally did, you know, and, and, and I actually, for, you know, a lot of Hogan's, they tried to put in Hogan against uh, larger people like Bundy and Stud and all those. But Orndorff was one of the, his opponents at the time that was smaller than him that actually, yeah. I remember watching those matches back, you know, when I was a teenager and, and you, and you actually, he kind of, even though he was so smaller than Hogan, he kind of made Hogan the underdog in the match. You know, you kind of thought Warndorf can can beat Hogan. Yeah, yeah I, I remember feeling that way through the whole thing. Like, I, you know, because he had the pile driver, and you know, he picked Hogan up and pile drive him. Whenever, so you kind of thought this guy actually can beat him, and and I actually felt like Hogan was the underdog in that thing. And in most matches with Hogan, you really didn't feel that way. You know? Yeah, I tell I you, Hogan, you know, if you want to see some good Hogan matches, is Watch him from the AWA and his feud with Bockwinkel. Yes. Were, and they, I think they still would hold up somewhat today. Even. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. My pick, I, I'm going to, I'm going to just swerve Andy here because I'm not going <laughs> to name the one I said I was going to. Uh, actually, Rick Serrano third said to me, if I would mention it. And when I thought about it a lot, I was like, you know, that was for me a very big feud. It was at the very beginning of me starting to watch wrestling in a long time. And it appealed to me because here were two legitimately tough guys who you really believed would beat the crap out of each other. And then when they were in there, there was just so much animosity and hate 
culminating in probably one of the best and most violent matches I've ever seen being a dog collar match between the two. And that was Greg the Hammer Valentine and Roddy Piper. Um, oh. this, this was definitely... Uh, not, let's just even forget the match for a sec. The whole lead up to this feud, the amount of hatred that these two guys had for each other just built and built over a while. You know, um, you could easily say, well, if you were looking like back as history, well, you know, Piper kind of vacillated between good guy, bad guy. What made the difference here? It didn't matter who was the good guy, bad guy here. You legitimately had two dudes who just wanted to end each other. And you felt that there was no time during this feud where it felt like they were looking for a reason to be madder at each other, or they were looking for a reason to play something up. You legitimately felt like these two guys wanted to hurt each other. And then, man, that dog collar match. Uh, I remember just, I remember ordering that video, uh, the, the Starcade one that that was on. I remember sending away my money, saving up because I was just a kid. I had to, get some money in VHS tape. If kids were wondering what VHS tape is, go Google that stuff. Um, those freaking things cost money when they first came out. Okay. Back I remember, in my day. Well, almost because I, mean, that damn, I think that damn tape cost me like 50 bucks and I'm like 49 95 and I'm talking back in 1982. So, I mean, I was 12 years old and 50 bucks back then was a lot more than 50 bucks today. I'll tell you. 500 now. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like that. And it seemed like it took me forever to get that money, but I bought that tape solely because of that match. And I remember watching, I'm sure if we looked at that tape, if I owned it today, it would be in perfect condition, except for that match would be like, because it's been through the thing so many times and watched. Rewind. And rewind. And, but yeah. Um, it was one of those matches that was like at that time being like 12, 13 years old and trying to uh, get your friends to see why you liked wrestling. You could put that on and they would legitimately be like mouth open, like, holy shit, what did I just see? You know, it was like watching the first couple of UFCs like, wow, there are guys out there trying to kill each other. This is ridiculous. Wow. I can't stop watching. There's something wrong with me. Um but that's what it did for me. That, that, that feud was amazing, culminating in one of the most brutal matches. And the match was so brutal and so well done. You actually got the feeling that when they left the match, nothing was resolved. But they both knew that they couldn't do anything against each other anymore or they would kill each other or themselves. And it gave you that feeling like it's like when you fight so much with somebody where you're like, I got to stop the shit or one of us is going to go to jail and the other one's going to be dead. And neither of us want that even you know, though we each other. they gave you that same feeling was was a year or two later was, was the magnum ta totally blanchard, blanchard. yes oh, and they kind of came out of that like the same way yeah oh man when he's digging that uh that uh, uh chair leg into his face yes. and just sitting there like oh my goodness wow uh, i was hoping i was hoping that at the very least that few would get brought up just out of respect for it Yes. Magnum Excellent. And, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's tie one more round and we'll wrap it up. Randy. Uh, Andy. Andy. Oh, oh. Andy. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just can't do anything right with Raven. I just can't. That's just. <laughs> She's intimidating. She really is. Intimidating. I, I am. I am. I am 
the number one heel to Raven, I think. It's just, that's just. Oh, I can't wait for the day that I see you face to face. Wow. Wow. Cannot if wait. A, if I had a loonie, which for our American friends is a Canadian dollar, for every time a woman said that to me, I would now have a dollar. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and for all you American fans, uh, $1 Canadians, like what, 12 cents American? Something? Yeah, it's like 60, right. 63 cents. <laughs> 63 cents. Cents. Oh, yeah. Um, I think I know all the ones that I want to touch on. We've uh, we've pretty much we've pretty much hit. Hey, do you want to know what's really interesting here before you go on, guys? We've still watched wrestling, all of us. We still watch wrestling quite a bit, and yet every memorable feud here is at least from 1990 down. Yeah. <laughs> what does that say about Actually, the wrestling? You know today? what? And because Elio touched on it, so let's go to the other one because yeah. this was on my list. Was Hogan and Savage? Uh, okay. Once again, Hogan being a dick friend, but yes, go on. <laughs> it was a misunderstanding. It was a misunderstanding. He didn't see Elizabeth like that. They were just friends. <laughs> Please explain, Andy. <laughs> All right. Well, at least from my recollection, that was kind of how this thing started because, I mean, you know, they uh, at one point they became the mega. I forget how it was that somehow they came together. They formed the mega powers. It was on Saturday's meet event, October 3rd, 1987. Oh, thank you, Elio. Woke him up. Is that is that is that kind of like the is that how like they, they first kind of came together before yeah, the Mega Powers? Yeah. What led them to it? What led them? At, um, why? It was uh, originally it was the Randy Savage defending the Intercontinental Championship against Honky Tonk Man. <gasps> yes. And then uh, the Hart Foundation uh, came in. They and them and Honky Tonk all attacked. And Elizabeth started. went back. And who did she bring out? And she brings out Hogan. Yep. Yes, okay. sir. See, that's a good son right there, I tell you. <laughs> bailing me out on that one. <laughs> extra yes. rounds for you, Elio. <laughs> <laughs> Someone getting an extra piece of cake at supper. Maybe. A whole <laughs> dollar. You eat all your vegetables. Yeah. A whole Canadian dollar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, right, so there was beginning. Um and, and at the time, you know, you got that's like two of the top top guys right there. So to kind of put that team together, the Mega Powers was aptly named. Um, but I think you know, you're a team, but that can only go so long. And eventually, there's got to be the crack somewhere. And I believe that's what it was. Was the uh, there was there was a tag team match. I want to say it was the Twin Towers. Maybe Elio can back me up on this one. And they, 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 they that, was February, that was February third, nineteen eighty nine. Right, and, and didn't like one of them kind of like bumped into Elizabeth or something like that, yep. and then Hogan went and he raced and he picked up Liz and took her back, yep. and Savage was left on his own, and he came back, and then that's where things kind of started to like the whole lusting after Elizabeth, and you know, and Hogan saying is like, no, like you know, she was hurt and just a friend, and so you know, because Raven's going to be in this kind of mood, it, it basically it's all a woman's fault that they broke up. <laughs> I'm going to have to agree. No, anyways. <laughs> I think it's all Hogan is just a shitty friend, but go on. No, 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 no. It was, it was a woman's fault. I hated Liz- Hogan, sorry. If Elizabeth hadn't been there, if she hadn't been at ringside, there would have been no issue. Uh, is this chic Ayatollah? Andy, come out here. Come on, man. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but the eventual... But even that, when when they started to feud, because even that took time to build up too for like the eventual match for WrestleMania Five, right? Um, and it, it's just, but to me, and, and at this point, like, I'm a I'm a I'm a Hogan guy. 
And so, you know, even when you're talking about like the Orndorff and stuff, it's funny, even like you were talking about like the Orndorff and stuff, I was still Hogan. When you talk WrestleMania six, I was a Hogan guy as opposed to a warrior guy. I thought it was a massive mistake to drop it to, to warrior, but whatever. But at that, but at that point, having said that, this is why I'm saying all this, having said that, uh, I could see where people were still, you know, getting behind Savage, uh, you know, and, and, and maybe Hogan was losing a bit of the luster, but, um, he was a shitty friend. <laughs> Whatever. It was right? a misunderstanding. He did Horrible see her person. that way. There was nothing, nothing he did that was like he was lusting after Elizabeth. That was all in Savage's mind. Oh, he was lusting after her, man. He was lusting. You could no, see no, his creepy little eyes, no, no, his little no. bald head. No, no. Elio, no. don't listen to not Elio's dad. <laughs> but, but, and I go back to it again and again and just the, the emotional investment and whatnot. Regardless of, you know, there, there was the lusting, whether you were on, you know, whoever side you were on, the emotional intensity that Randy Savage brought, you know, it, it, and we, we, you know, we, we've talked about this in previous episodes and especially, you know, Chief, you can attest to this, Raven, you can attest to this, having been in the ring. And, and you know, we, we've talked about it, but the, the believability has to be there the moment you walk through the curtain or the moment the lights go on, the camera goes on, the red light goes on. Yeah. Um, we know the intensity of Randy Savage. We know the, the, the craziness. I mean, you go look back to Savage and Steamboat. You can go back to Savage and Lawler back in like the Mid-South days. A- any of those, those feuds. Like, as a Hogan fan and, you know, a, the Hogan sympathizer, like, the, the, the craziness, the intensity, the hatred from Randy Savage was just so white hot that, hey, I mean, the mega powers explode. It was, it was aptly named for when that, final, when that confrontation finally happened. Okay. All right. You know, this whole Hogan thing is starting to become a you thing, but okay. Uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh chief please don't give me a Hogan story <laughs> oh, please, please 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 no i i agree with uh, what you said though it seems like we're picking things from a long time ago even though we all see wrestling now but it's because we were much more emotionally invested mm-hmm. you know good wrestling should be drama and, and, and i and i was telling somebody a while back the story is more important like there's a hundred guys that do the same moves that I do or that Andy does or anybody else, but the fan 50 years from now or 30 years from now, they're not going to remember what you did. They're going to remember the way you made them feel. Amen. You know, talking about brought up feelings and emotion in us. And, and that's, that, that's, uh, that's what they used to do. I think that's what's missing in, in wrestling today. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, yeah, we, we're not picking, nobody's really picking anything from the last 20 years. You know? Yeah. But I'll, I'll change that on my last one. I'll, I'll change that on my last pick. Um, I was actually trying to think too, because I, I, I guess I kind of jumped out there too soon with the Magnum Tully thing, because that would have probably been my next pick. But uh, I was trying to think of something more recent, you know. Uh, but nothing, nothing has really stood out to me that to make me feel that way. Probably definitely in the last twenty years for sure. I, I think yeah. you should go to Magnum and Tully and talk more about that because that yeah, is... that, that, that would have been my next pick, and I kind of threw it out. So that would have been. Well, fill us in. Let's fill it into the thing. We didn't really talk. We only used it as a also like. Talk about the feud itself. Why? Would, and and fill in people who are younger who are listening to wondering what this was really about. Yeah, that was that was over at the time. I think Tully 
had the U.S. title, was it? Or was yeah. it the title? Yeah. No, it was because, US title. because the feud was another one that got personal and kind of overshadowed the belt, the, the title um, at the time. But uh, it was definitely like those were two guys again that brought out emotion in you. You know, uh, totally was the quintessential heel. Like even when the Four Horsemen were kind of cool, even though they were heels. You know, they oh, Arn was kind of cool. Rick was kind of cool, but no, nobody liked Tully. Tully was always a heel. He had no redeemable qualities. Just a he jerk. Was, yep. Yeah. He was like and a mini Hulk Hogan. That, he was a little. He was a little shorter, but he kind of he kind of gave you that feeling of that uh, guy with the small man mentality. Little man syndrome. Little man yeah. syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and of course Magnum was the up and coming baby face. You know, hair hair. NWA title probably at some point if you wouldn't have the car wreck. Yeah. But I, I I don't even remember now what I mean I know it started over the over the belt and then things got personal but I don't even remember what Tully actually did to cause so much hatred but I know by the time they got to that Starcade match it was like these guys hated each other and it was well, very personal when you forgot all about the title. And they had Baby Doll in the mix too, right? Yeah, I think she yeah. had something to do with. A kind of interplay in there that kind of drove. I, I thought, yeah, and I think they did something similar to uh, with with just uh, Jimmy Garvin and and David Butterick. Not the ranch hand or something, but I think there wasn't there something where that was Dusty Rhodes. Was Dusty that Dusty? Rhodes oh, Dusty! Yes, 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 you're right. For a yes. month, and she walked off after two days or something. Yeah, right, right, after, right. Okay. after spending yeah. his credit cards or something. <laughs> yeah, he won her valet services. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it was Dusty. Right. But uh, but that that I know the match it was very much like the dog collar match we're talking about like that match brought out a lot of emotion it was very brutal for the time and when it was when it was over you know and, and I don't think they really did work together much after that like when it was over that it's was like it. what these guys do they just had to walk away for the kind of like the you know another one that actually would be uh, Buzz Tyler and Tommy Rich yes. the last half of Atlanta you know finally like they Buzz back, Sawyer. They matches and at some point it had to end you know yeah <laughs> these guys are gonna kill each other that kind of feeling and uh, that that was another one that i actually should have thought of that's why i said there's so many you could bring into this yeah and unfortunately there are older feuds that where you had time to develop real hatred mm-hmm. and real emotions to that uh they, raven they, you want to oh, tommy rich match uh for a long time they said that there was no video existed because you know back then georgia championship wrestling yeah. recorded over everything but uh, I think it was from a fan shot that they actually have it on the hidden gems on the WWE network. You know? Yes, you can look that up now. Really? Yes. So yeah, I just heard that too. That was just mentioned like three months ago. Somebody had. That I want to say is is that is the dog collar match with Valentine and Piper? Isn't that on the network too? It should be. Uh, it's a Starcade thing. Yeah, it should be. I think they're. Right. Yeah. Is it Starcade eighty three? Yeah, uh, eighty two, eighty three. Yeah, eighty three. Yeah, yeah eighty three. Yeah. Okay, uh, Raven, you want to throw a uh, last one out there? Anything that really touched you? I don't know. Most of the ones we've talked about. Yeah, we've talked about a lot of good feuds here. A lot of good feuds. What about Lita and Trish? Yeah, okay. Talk a bit about Lita and Trish. There's a good... uh, More of a modern day feud. Yeah, Yeah, I'm just trying to think of... I mean, I know, right? But I can't think of anything that's like these days, it's really a feud. Yeah, yeah. You're going to talk feuds, it's all older stuff. Yeah. Um, Not Brody Lee and Cody. Or <laughs> what about Alondra Blaze and Bull Nakano? That one was good too. Yeah, there was another great. Um, yeah, 
it's so weird. Like the more we talk about it, it seems like it really is. I'm really scraping to find a more modern feud. And I'll tell you mine. And it's for a whole different reasons than all the feuds we've talked, which have been cooler. So uh, Elio, do you have a last feud you want to talk about? This one was a little like before I started watching it. From, this was from 1981, but I saw the, the one match recently on YouTube. DMT being the match, Cherry Lawler and Terry Funk. Oh, nice. Terry Terry Funk. Funk. Okay. I, I see. I, mean, I think going back to territories, and, and it's actually even looking at Chief's hat, like to me, it's like there's so much rich history from Puerto Rico from kind of like 2000 back to like Carlos Colon, you know, uh, the invaders, Abdullah, Brody, uh, you know, Savio, AKA TNT, you throw those guys in there, Chicky Star in there. Uh, it's, and, and Puerto Rico and, and Chief, and I'm speaking this because I know Chief's gonna back me up on that. Uh, and I say this because when I got, for me, for Puerto Rico, I mean, I went in at, I went in in 99. Uh, and at that point, when IWA was forming, it was already kind of, they were more kind of on the WWE route of the sports entertainment. But prior to that, when it was mostly just WWC, when it was uh, Carlos's promotion and, and the people still bought into it, I think there was like 2000 or 2001, they actually had, uh, it was actually front page news or was final final. I think it was like Savio and Chicky star one or both of them finally kind of admitted that it was like pro wrestling is a show. It's, it's not real. So, the, the buy-in and the believability for, you know, to, for Puerto Ricans for watching, you know, like I said, late 90s back would be incredible. So you put that kind of frenzied crowd in with the way things were booked, the way things were shown. There was a lot more uh, blood, a lot more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not, it's not savage, but just, Italian. man. The brutality, yeah, was was there. I mean, especially when you think of guys like Abdullah and and Bruiser Brody that did so much there. That you know, when we talk of like, and I'm I'm mentioning this more just out of kind of respect for for Puerto Rico for that. Because I mean, we could say the same. You know, we could say similar about Mid South. We could say Georgia, Florida, Stampede, whatever. But but Puerto Rico. So you know, if people are looking for for feuds, for for history, for everything that we're talking about, if you're looking for something a little different, check out. Puerto Rican wrestling, you know, like in the eighties and the nineties, and you will find all kinds of just gems. There were no more and more passionate fans than the Puerto Rican fans in that era. And they were actually dangerous. It was yes. dangerous because the fans would throw batteries at you. Yep. They, they would, they would piss in cups and throw piss on you. They, I mean, they, they they believed it and they were very very yeah and it wasn't until um the law and if you go back and you watch these videos it wasn't until iwa i think kind of did it first uh around 2000 but for the longest time there was no ringside seats around the rings in puerto rico yeah yeah, so I mean, if you picture like, I mean, because there they had like the, the, the conchas, like the, the basketball stadiums or the basketball arenas, and it'd be like, you'd have the ring at center center court, there'd be then like the whole arena, there'd be nothing, and then the fans would be in the stands. There would be yeah. nothing all around for the and nobody was like 40, 50 feet to the... Exactly, <laughs> to the exactly, exactly. Okay. Well, you know, um, I, I talked to Elio, we had we had talked, you know, as we're going along, and I, I was just throwing out ideas of feuds, and you know... Um, 
like I said, most of these feuds were always these older feuds. And uh, he said to me, do you have a tag team feud? What was the crazy tag team feud? And, you know, two popped in my mind were like the fabulous ones versus the road warriors. I remember that being a big feud that I really loved. And then one that was almost obscure to some people, but the midnight rockers versus uh, playboy buddy Rose and Doug Summers. Doug Summers. Yes. Uh, that was a crazy Christmas ass feud. Yes. The, oh man. That's when Shawn Michaels first started his, uh, let's see if I can bleed everything kind of match. <laughs> Um, but then I thought about it. I was very hard pressed. I wanted to try and find what I thought would be a good feud that wasn't, that was at least in like from 2000 up. The century. This, in this century. Uh, the one feud I found is a feud I love, but it's not the same kind of feuds because you can't do these feuds anymore. We, we, we've just discussed why these feuds don't really work. Why uh, the fast paced throw in our faces, constant stuff never sticks. So what makes a feud then? So, so you have to go a different way. The feud I'm going to pick next for my last feud doesn't conform to what these feuds we've talked about. It doesn't involve an extreme hatred. It doesn't involve good versus evil. It doesn't involve uh, the blue collar versus the white collar. It just involves two guys fighting over a belt for the sake of being the champion. Neither of these guys particularly hated each other. They didn't have any kind of vendetta against each other. One was champion and the other one wanted that belt. And it took them three matches to culminate this feud. Their first match went 60 minutes. Their second match went 60 minutes. The third match went something like 55 minutes before they finally had a pin and a definitive winner. And it was solely through athletics and making you believe the storytelling as we talk about in wrestling, the story of what these matches, of what these men did to each other's body, how each move, how each hold, how each thing dictated where this matches went. And I'm talking about Samoa Joe versus CM Punk in the Ring of Honor, their three series match became a clinic of pure storytelling without a story, without there being a feud, without there being Not a backstory. There was no backstory. Yet they told a story within the ring. And I would really suggest people to go try these uh, these uh, matches out if you can. Uh, one thing I do want to say, old versus re- new wrestling, is me and Elio have to watch a shit ton of wrestling every week to do our shows. <laughs> we do. And I'm going to tell you, no matter what happens, there are many times where 10 minutes or 15 minutes into the match, I'm like, please end and let's see. I can write the result and say what happened, right? Uh, I can't think of matches that I can invest in long, but I can go downstairs into my office and pull out Nick Bockwinkle versus Kurt Henning, one hour draw in, uh, in Las Vegas. And I can sit and watch that entire match and still, 30 years later, I still am at that point where Henning's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's Oh, that is a lost art form. <laughs> Absolutely. And, of course, any chance I can say that Nick Bonkwinkle was the greatest wrestler in history, <laughs> I'm there. Everyone knows I love Nick Bonkwinkle. All right. So, guys, you know what? We talked about some really cool uh, feuds here. And it's obvious in today's wrestling world, there's no time anymore. And time is one of the biggest components to each one of these things we talked about. It took actions, yes. It took some deviousness, yes. It took some kind of horrendous thing happen to one person. But it also took a long time to let it fester, to let it grow, to let it percolate and then boil over. Today, 
it's really hard to get feuds. Every week there's a new feud in the WWE. Heck, you wait two weeks and the guy who is the big feud this month is on a different feud next month. It just comes and goes. And when it's fed to you so fast like that, it loses meaning. Why would you invest in it when it just feels like a soap opera? And there's nothing wrong with that. We all watch soap operas. We all watch episodic television. We all enjoy the things and share our heroes, but we can't invest into it when everything's coming to us 100 miles an hour. So unfortunately, the days of great, great rivalries, they may be over. And what does the future hold? I don't know. But I do know we're wrestling fans and, and we still have access to the old stuff. But you know what? Maybe if enough people start asking for that again and more people start investing in, in things, maybe, maybe those days will start to come back and maybe we'll find some feuds and rivalries that are really worth it. I want to thank each of my uh, guests for coming on. Uh, I'd like to go to each of you and I'd like you to throw out your social media and whatnot and promote anything you want. Uh, <laughs> the number, what's, the, what's the number two feud? Uh, wait, is that us? Are we the number one feud? Okay. No, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, wait a second. <laughs> I didn't custom make any of this. All right. Andy Anderson. Give us... <laughs> Yes, the Lone Wolf, Andy Anderson, one half of the greatest feud in the WPOV universe, whether it's Quarantine or any other show. Andy Anderson versus Raven Lake, custom-made match. In an apartment. Made in hell. <laughs> Rent is due is the name of the... Anyways. <laughs> Outstanding. Yes. Um, if you need to find more of my wit, uh, it's not really available anywhere else because it doesn't go beyond here. Uh, Wait, on, this is wit? Okay, sorry. It's, 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 <laughs> witless? I don't know. Wit, witless. Uh, Twitter, you can find me at, at Andy Anderson PWA. Uh, Instagram, uh, where I relive wrestling days and post things of lifting, pushing, moving all kinds of heavy things is I'm that guy TCB 247. So that's the letters I M T H A T G U Y T C B 247. And is it true? I heard a rumor that you might be doing some more uh, fill-ins now and then on uh, WPOV global talking. Uh, I, am, uh, I, I had a lot of fun doing the last, uh, last show discussing AEW. Uh, I believe my agent is uh, in negotiations with the higher ups of WPOV to, uh, Maybe have me come back. So we'll see how that goes. You know, that's the puppet, right? Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> let, let, let's look at the second half. Hey, the... Hang on a second. Speaking of higher ups, I have to, I have to just one, one last thing. I got to go back yeah. to this. When you were talking earlier, and of course, mm -hmm. it's almost like to me, that almost seems like we have to mention uh, Rick Serrano III and Tony Diaz. Uh, but when you brought up Rick Serrano III, he's like, you had, you, he suggested you bring this up. Yeah. I swear at first, I'm thinking it's going to be involved with the natural disasters. Yeah, I, 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 I wondered why you gave me that look. And then as you're saying this, he goes, you're, oh, it's going to be natural disasters. Natural disasters versus the bushwhackers. I'm like, oh. No, no, the natural disasters versus their scales. That was probably wow. their biggest feud. Oh, all right. The second half of WPOV's number one feud, the custom lady herself, custom in love. Anyways, I got nothing. Raven Lake. You know uh, what? No, just just leave that one to me. You just do the little yeah, yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Raven gets a <laughs> got some uh, uh, media to throw out there. Yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Raven Lake. Um, I have just a regular page and a fan page. Twitter and Instagram are both RVN Lake. Perfect. Perfect. 
And Chief Atakula Kula, thank you for uh, joining us again. You have some uh, social media. Throw it all out there for us, buddy. And I, hear, I also yep. saw a posting. You're making a comeback here soon. Nice. Yeah. Things are starting to open back up a little bit, so I'll be in Wisconsin next month. But I just wanted to ask Andy, how can he still call himself the lone wolf when he brings his son on with him every week? <laughs> well, He's the lonely wolf. It's been a long, it's, long night. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I, I was going to say, it, it's, it's kind of in reference to a different thing. I kind of walk alone every once in a while. You know, there might be, uh, it might be not so lonely, but for the most part. <laughs> Having a cub is pretty lonely. All right. <laughs> but, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chief Atta, and on Facebook, I have Chief Atta Kula Kula page and Rod Atta Kula Kula page. And then I'm also on Instagram at Chief Atta Kula Kula. Excellent. And I will see uh, things some athletic commissions are starting to open back up down here, so they're letting some things happen. Um, I'm going to be in uh, West Bend, Wisconsin, on November 14th. So that'll be my first match back since mid-March. <laughs> Do not let them pay you in cheese curd. Yeah, it is Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm supposed to be back in Ohio in December, but now I'm hearing that they might not allow that to happen now. So things are back. In I don't have an Ohio joke. Anyone want to throw one in? No. <laughs> I kind of remember okay, Bugs, Bugs Bunny had one way back when about there was like when he was doing the the uh, there's some stick and it was like oh it's like oh hi and it's like hi in the middle Ohio or something I don't know. That's why I stick to the custom jokes with Raven. I got now. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, they're still not opening up yet in Puerto Rico. So do you have anything for Puerto uh, Rico? Yeah, I haven't. You haven't. All right, Elio, give out all our uh, all our stuff. Okay, so if you want to write to us on Facebook at Wrestling POV Podcast, Instagram Wrestling POV One, and Twitter at Wrestling POV. Excellent. You know what, fans? This is WPOV Quarantine Weekly, our Zoom Facebook show where we discuss topics and bring wrestlers from around the world. You can find that every Sunday on the WPOV Network on Facebook. You can also find our other shows, WPOV Global, where me and Elio and sometimes some erstwhile crazy Canadian comes on and joins us, and we talk AEW and all the other non-WWE shows out there. Also on Saturday nights, we have WPOV Wrestling, where uh, Tony Diaz and Rick Serrano III cover all the going-ons within the WWE. And our newest show, too, is Aftermath, where we cover everything, every big main pay-per-view that comes out and also uh, for the next little while me and elio every four uh days of new japan cover the g1 so check those out that's also on sunday night so folks uh you know what we loved you being with us uh this was great it was fun talking with you guys um we look forward to you guys again and uh fans like we said enjoy wrestling you know what we probably did not get to some of the feuds you like and you know what if you think we're just being old and crusty and we missed out on some good that you feel are some good feuds, by all means, please drop it. Write it. Write it to us. I'll bring it up. I, I'd like to see. I'm curious of what people find uh, is their feuds for now. Okay? So uh, on behalf of us all here at WPOV Wrestling, we want to wish you a good night and uh, keep safe in this COVID things. Wash your damn hands. Wear a mask. Even if you don't believe in it, just so you don't piss off somebody else. And uh, Elio, say goodnight to the good people. And fans, we'll talk to you all next week.